Thanks for finding us and tuning into this podcast this week presented by Beef O'Brady's in Tampa on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is good. To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two-one swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. Welcome back into the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us. I'm your host Jason down in Tampa. This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's here in Tampa at the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Home Slice Pizza Company and Hank's Barbecue. Definitely visit those uh, establishments here as we approach New Year's for all of your catering needs for your, for New Year's Eve, for New Year's Day. Uh, if you're out looking to watch some bowl games and some NFL action, definitely hit Beefo Brady's. Great selection of televisions. Uh, food items, beverage options, and such. So for all of your sports viewing pleasures as we get through into a busy New Year's uh, Eve weekend, New Year's Day weekend, definitely check out Beef O'Brady's here in Tampa at the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue over here in Carrollwood and the Forest Hills area of town. Hope everybody, again, hope I had a great uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah. Uh, or whatever holiday you do celebrate. And obviously, as we approach the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day weekend, please be very careful when you're out this weekend. No need to do anything uh, stupid and crazy as far as driving on the road. If you've had any beverages and such, please Uber, taxi, get a friend to drive, but don't be dri- out there driving uh, if you're at, at any possibility of having, having any cocktails or beverages and such because... There'll already be enough craziness on the road. The cops will be looking for you, and we don't need needless people to be getting hurt and killed uh, over something stupid. Uh, shout out to all the people up in the Northeast that are trying to dig out from all the storms, uh, all the weather issues that have ravaged the country in the last several days. So thinking of you guys as well. Uh, got a good episode for you this week on the Powers on Sports podcast. We're going to talk to, got two guests for you. We're going to talk to Jim Levitt. Uh, former USF football coach. I talked to Coach Levitt uh, from my Florida Football Insiders podcast, and I'm going to use that uh, our chat here to give you guys some perspective on the college football playoff, which will be Saturday uh, night, New Year's Eve, Georgia and Ohio State, TCU, Michigan, the semifinals. We're going to talk about those. We're going to match, get the matchups in that game, what Coach Levitt likes, who he likes in these games, and such. We'll give you some good uh, matchup information as well. Also going to talk to uh, a coach about bowl preparations, how do teams you know, get motivated for these bowl games. There's lots and lots of bowl games that are going on. Uh, how do teams get motivated? We'll talk about recruiting day, signing day. If you remember, we had a couple weeks ago, we had the early signing period, and there will be another signing day in February, which was the traditional one, but now they've added a December signing day a few years back. So we'll talk to Coach Levitt about all some of the, some 
the intricacies of signing day and recruiting and, and flip-flops and all that kind of stuff relative to uh, that whole process for co- college coaches go through. Also going to talk to J.P. Peterson of the J.P. Peterson Show. Um, J.P. is a uh, longtime media member here in the Bay Area and has worked all over the country. Uh, we're going to talk to J.P. about Bucks, college football playoff, the NFL, um, you will hear a couple of, uh, of splotches during the interview of a little bit of technical difficulty. We had some internet issues when we were talking to JP, so there may be a couple of set up portions of the of the interview that go out that you can't understand the audio, so I do apologize for that. Uh, JP was having some internet issues when we were recording, so again, I do apologize about that. But again, you'll hear some great stuff about Brady, the Tampa Bay, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay situation down here the playoffs in general, and again, some college football stuff as well. And if you're a baseball fan, we're going we're gonna to give you a little update on the Tampa Bay Rays stadium situation, kind of what is the latest on that front. So two great spots for you. Before we get to Coach Levin, J.P. Peterson, going to give you a little bit of, uh, just to give you a little potpourri around the football and the sports world here as we enter the end of 2022. Uh, news came out that Ed Reed is now just got named the new head coach of Bethune Cookman, uh, a HBCU school down here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Kind of taking the uh, Dion route, trying to get into the into the coaching uh, profession. Ed's been working with the University of Miami. He's also worked a little bit in the NFL, but Ed Reed's getting his first head coaching opportunity at Bethune Cookman. Be interesting. Be interesting to see how he does there. Uh, following in Deion Sanders' step, uh, footsteps, we'll see if he can uh, generate some of the buzz and national attention that Dion did at Jackson State, who's now going on to Colorado, so good for Ed Reed. Um, we are also going to, how about Luka Doncic, a 60-21-10 triple-double, scored 60 points for the Mavericks on Tuesday night, an incredible performance, uh, the the second, actually the tied for the highest ever point total for a triple-double, uh, 60 points, 21 boards. To me, that's the incredible status, the 21 rebounds for Luka as a point guard for the Mavericks, uh, and then 10 assists in a uh, overtime victory against the Knicks. They were, the Mavericks were down nine points with like under 35 seconds left in regulation. Uh, they were the first team in like 13,000 games with that scenario of down nine with about 30, 35 seconds left in the game to come back and win. So an incredible comeback for the Mavericks, highlighted by Luka's 60-21-10 and 10 triple-double. So he's definitely on his way to MVP uh, candidacy this year. He's definitely in the mix for that. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the NBA update for you. What are your what are your thoughts on Christmas football versus the NBA? Obviously, for many many years, Christmas Day used to be the NBA's day with games from start to finish, from twelve to twelve at night. Now the NFL is invading their territory a little bit, a lot of bit actually, not just a little bit. They had they have a triple header now. They had three games on Christmas Day. Are you a fan of that? Were you watching games all throughout the day on Christmas, or were you just kind of coming in and out? Obviously, you only had. You had a pretty good game down in Miami to start Green Bay, Miami, with the Packers stealing that one with Tua getting another another issue with a concussion. He's now in the concussion protocol, most likely will not play this week in New England. Uh, the Dolphins' playoff hopes are very much in dire straits with no Tua. We will see if he Tua even plays again the rest of the year. Obviously, this is at least the third time that he's had a 
concussion-related issue in a game. So we'll see what the Dolphins and the NFL do about uh, Tua's future moving forward this year. I would be shocked if he played in Week 17 or 18 because of the uh, you know the backlash that they will they will feel. Uh, hopefully the Dolphins, if they probably if they win one of these two games, they will probably get into the playoffs. Teddy Bridgewater most will start this week, and we'll see about Week 18. But I'd be very surprised to see two a play. Then you have the debacle in in Los Angeles with the Rams destroying the Broncos, putting up 51 points. Baker Mayfield playing well for the for the Rams. That loss leads to the dismissal of Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Doesn't even make it makes it through 15 games, four and 11 in Denver. Just an utter disaster in, in, in the Mile High City. It all started for Hackett week one. Remember, if you remember, he had the disastrous clock management situation on Monday Night Football in Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson's played very poorly this year. They, their defense has been really good, but the but the offense has just been a, a complete debacle. Hackett was seemed to be over his head as a head coach, trying to call plays, all that stuff. Uh, remember, the Broncos were just purchased by the Walton family, which owns Walmart, over the summer. So he had already been hired prior to the Waltons taking over, so it wasn't their hire, though the GM did make the hire. But the GM is going to remain in, in place in Denver. But Nathaniel Hackett out in Denver after 15 games. Speculation of who potentially could go there. Sean Payton's name's mentioned. Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore. So it'll be interesting to see what Denver decides to do, especially since they're married to Russell Wilson for at least the next couple of years at minimum after his huge extension. Will they bring in an offensive guy? Will they bring in a defensive guy? Uh, will they bring in a guy with some head coaching experience? Don't be surprised if Dan Quinn is a strong name there. He almost got the job there last year, and they went with Hackett. So won't be surprised if it's a guy like Dan Quinn who's got some experience as a head coach. You don't want to bring in another guy that's never been a head coach, I don't think, um, into that situation. So uh, don't be surprised if it's a guy like Dan Quinn would could be the guy in Denver uh, to uh, take over the Broncos and then bring in a strong offensive coordinator for that situation. And then the, obviously in the nightcap, you had the Bucks in Arizona. Uh, Brady steals another game late in overtime, which we're going to talk to J.P. Peterson about. The struggles of the Buccaneer offense. Can they fix it in the next couple of weeks? They've got a huge game on Sunday in Tampa versus Carolina. It's a basically a winner and clinch the division scenario for the Bucs. If Carolina wins the game, they will be in the driver's seat for the NFC South division title, only having to win at New Orleans in Week 18 to clinch the title. So it's so the Bucks have been in control of this division for numerous weeks now. But if they do lose this game, they will lose control of their own destiny in the NFC South. So if they win the game, the division's over, and Tampa goes to the playoffs, and Carolina in Atlanta and New Orleans are all eliminated. So a very very big game in. Tampa on Sunday, 1 o'clock. And again, we'll talk to J.P. Peterson. You'll hear a good breakdown of that game. If you also want to hear a good breakdown, go to the No Quarter Given podcast that I host. It's an all Bucks related podcast, and we'll give you an in-depth breakdown of that game as well. Carolina-Tampa Bay. So, uh, And you can find that on all your, your podcast platforms. No Quarter Given podcast. Um, playoff scenarios. Pretty much in the NFC, you have Philadelphia. If they win one more, one one of the last two, they're going to clinch the one seed. We'll see if Jalen Hurts is going to play this weekend. We're not sure yet, but again, they lose a tough game in Dallas. Minshew played pretty well, scored a bunch of points, but turned the ball over a little bit. Uh, the 
Two seed is still up for grabs. Minnesota, San Francisco jockeying for that two seed. Minnesota just keeps winning heartbreak or keeps winning these one score games. They've won 11 one score games this year, which is incredible in an NFL record. Uh, it'll one of those two teams will be the two and the three. The NFC South winner will be the four. Most likely, the Cowboys will be the five seed. Most likely, the six seed uh, is most likely going to be the New York Giants. And then the seventh seed is where it gets a little interesting. You got Washington in the seventh spot, but you also have Green Bay and Seattle. Washington has made a quarterback change. They're going back to Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke being benched. Had some turnover issues the last couple of weeks. Uh, but you do have Seattle in the mix as well as Green Bay. If Green Bay wins the next two, which they have home games, and Washington loses one of the next two, Green Bay will make the playoffs. So huge win by Green Bay in Miami. They've got Minnesota and Detroit at home to end it. Um, so those are the kind of your NFC scenarios. AFC seed-wise, you have a huge game to determine some seeding at the top of the AFC Monday night. Buffalo heads to Cincinnati. Huge game, which could determine the one seed, the two seed, and the three seed. Involve also Kansas City's in the mix. So that game will go a long way in determining the one, two, and three seed. Also, it's a big game because Cincinnati loses and Baltimore wins. It'll set up a showdown next week for the AFC North title with the Ravens and the Bengals potentially. So uh, the four, Baltimore's already clinched a playoff spot. We just don't know where they'll be seated. The six and seven seed, you have a uh, the six seed of the Chargers. They clinched on Monday night in, in, in Indianapolis. We don't know if they'll be the five or the six or the seven, but they're in the playoffs. But the seventh seed is where it gets, again, the seventh seed in both conferences get really interesting. You got Miami, the Jets, and New England are the three teams. Obviously now with the Tua problems with uh, Miami, you got Mike White who's back with the Jets now after the disaster that was Zach Wilson. And then you have the Patriots are still hanging around at 7-8 and eight as well. So very much uh, in, in the mix. You got Miami going to New England on Sunday. Again, no Tua. Probably going to be cold. So that's a winnable game for the Patriots. Um, especially with Teddy Bridgewater starting. And then you got the Jets heading to Seattle. Again, both those teams are still in the mix too. So that'll be a really good game out in the West Coast. Up in Seattle, you got uh, Mike White back against Geno Smith and the Seahawks. So that'll be a really good uh, game as well. So lots of drama still in the NFL as far as playoff seedings and who's going to be in. More so as the 6th and 7th seed. But again, there will be some jockeying of position, especially in the AFC with that Monday night showdown in Cincinnati. Buffalo coming to town to see Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So a uh, couple fantasy updates for you. I freaking have the best record in two out of my three fantasy leagues. And what happens? I get bumped off in the first round of the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor goes down in round one for me in my playoff, of course, on that Saturday when they blew the huge lead in Minnesota. He goes out like the first possession of the game. So that's a disaster. I lose a heartbreaker uh, on uh, in, the, in, that, in that game. Would win the game if, if Taylor stays in the game, no doubt about it. Then I lose my playoff this last weekend in my other league. Clear-cut the best team in the league. And, of course, uh, I get bumped off by Devontae Smith and, and other guys. So, of course, I have Jalen Hurts. And, of course, he doesn't play last week. Um, so I get bumped off in that league as well. So there's my fantasy update for me. I'm sure a lot of you guys are in fantasy leagues that are either wrapping up or about to wrap up. So good luck to you. In your fantasy league, your survivor pools. I've been long gone in my survivor pool. 
But again, I know there's some uh, tricky games to pick as well. Uh, a couple NFL picks for you this week. Uh, I, I do like Tampa at home against Carolina. I think they'll figure out a way to get it done, especially if their O-line is somewhat in, in shape, um, which I think they'll have a little, one of their guys back. Uh, I do like Seattle in the NFC against the Jets at home getting two points. I really like Seattle at home uh, getting two points. Also, another big breaking news story that just happened on Wednesday. Derek Carr benched for the Las Vegas Raiders for the remainder of the year. They're basically preventing him from potentially getting hurt and being on the hook for his contract. They have an out with Derek Carr if they want to get out of that contract at the end of the at the end, first three days of the offseason. So they are protecting themselves. Don't know what they're going to do yet. I would think Derek Carr will be on another team next year. Uh, remember, year one with Josh McDaniels has gone very up and down and mediocre. Don't be surprised if Derek Carr is no longer a Raider after uh, early in this offseason. Or they may keep him. But they just, they're protecting themselves because if he gets hurt in these last two games, which are meaningless for the Raiders, his contract is guaranteed for next year. And obviously you don't want to do that. Derek Carr's not even going to be at practice. They've told him, hey, you're done. We don't even need you to come to the, to the facility. So you won't see Derek Carr in any press conferences, anything these next two weeks. Um, it's probably the right thing to do. Jared Stidham will start for Las Vegas here the last two weeks of the season in year one with McDaniel. So, uh, again, a couple NFL games I like. I do like uh, the Seahawks at home getting two points. Um I also like the, again, the Buccaneers minus the three at home. Again, it's a championship uh, win, winning scenario for the Bucs at home. I think they'll figure out a way to get it done. Remember, the Carolina beat Tampa earlier in the year 21-3, so that's why this game is so critical for the Bucs because if they lose this game, they're tied in the standings, but Carolina will have the head-to-head -head advantage going into Week 18. So um, remember, Pittsburgh, Baltimore has been flexed to Sunday night. Not quite sure why they flexed that game. There are a couple other options I think they could have flexed that have more playoff implications. Miami, New England, Bucks, Carolina, potentially. Uh, so I'm not sure why they went Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a very faint opportunity, and Baltimore's already in the playoffs. So again, a little bit of an odd decision there to, to flex that game. Um, but they did, so that's what we'll be seeing on Sunday night with Chris and Tarico on NBC. Uh, a couple college games. Again, be careful on these college. If you're making any uh, wagers on these college games, you need to know who's in and who's not in as far as transfer portals, who's opting out, things like that. Um, but again, a couple games that I do like. I do like in the national semifinal. I like Georgia and I like Michigan uh, to both advance. I would tease them if you're going to play the game. Tease them down to basically just to win the game. Uh, if you're going to do a teaser, if I had to play a game minus the number, I would probably take uh, I would probably take Michigan minus the seven and a half, potentially buy it down to seven. And I also do think Georgia has a chance to 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 put it onto Ohio State minus six and a half. I think that defense for Georgia, and I think their offense is very underrated. They got great tight ends. Uh, and they, again, it's a position that you don't see a lot of really good college teams have. They've got two devastating tight ends, both in the passing game and the running game, as well as good running backs and then an elite defense. So I do like Georgia and Michigan to, to advance to the national title game. And again, we'll talk to Coach Jim Levitt, breaking down that game about that. So stay tuned here just a minute or two on that. A couple bowl games that I like. 
Again, make sure you know who's playing. I'm going to assume these picks are based on the majority of these guys are playing. I like Utah minus the two in the Rose Bowl on, uh, I believe it's New Year's, uh, the day after New Year's on the 2nd. I do like Utah in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Again, you'll have the emotional uh, game in Tampa here at the ReliaQuest, formerly the Outback Bowl, Mississippi State, after Mike Leach passed away, will be playing Illinois. Uh, you will see an inspired effort out of Mississippi State. I'll be working the game, helping uh, TJ Reeves on national radio. So uh, check that out as well if you can find the game on radio. I'll be helping TJ Reeves up in the booth with some of that. And I also like Alabama. I think Alabama is going to be motivated. Remember, Bryce Young and Will Anderson are both playing. They're playing Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl on the 31st. So I think Alabama is going to, you're going to get a good effort out of Alabama, inspired with Bryce Young's last game, Will Anderson's last game. So I would I would lean Alabama there as well. And I also like uh, potentially UCLA in the Sun Bowl on the 30th in El Paso against Pittsburgh. Sounds like DTR is going to play. Uh, Charbonnet, the, the really good running back, is going to play. So I would, I would lean to UCLA in the Sun Bowl as well. So there's some picks for you. Coach Jim Levitt coming up, as well as J.P. Peterson. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already done so. If you have any comments, at Twitter, at JPO Sports. Love to hear from you. And uh, tell a friend about the podcast. Retweet it out. I also host the Florida Football Insiders podcast, as well as the No Quarter Given podcast. So, be safe on New Year's and enjoy the podcast. Be back in just a minute. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa, to Wesley Chapel, and anywhere in between. Reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs. Corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, Anything in between, Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. We're happy to be joined again by Coach Jim Levitt. Uh, Coach Levitt, Merry Christmas. Hope you had a good holiday with your girls. Merry Christmas. Yes, it was um, busy. You know, Christmas is a huge holiday. You know, Christ is born. A uh, very powerful day, and uh, then uh, then the gifts, and the gifts seem to take precedent over everything, and uh, that's a big deal. Uh, that's for sure. With with my girls, it's a big deal. Talk about talk about during the holidays when you were a coach, both in the NFL and college. How did you work around, you know, just the holidays? And I'm sure in the NFL you had you you didn't probably play on Christmas, but you had practice up until Christmas Eve, things like that. How did you handle just the personal life things of shopping a little bit, you know, getting some stuff for your girls and for your family and just those kind of things, balancing that with still your coaching responsibilities? No, it's very difficult for all coaches. And it's one of the things that is kind of sad. Uh, Thanksgiving, I never saw Thanksgiving, you know, really, because you're, you're always playing or 
you're so involved with game planning. Usually have that day you might eat a meal. Yep. See your family for a few hours, but that's it. And uh, especially the last number of years when I was gone, you know, that that time was tough. Uh, Christmas, same way, because usually bowl games right. or you're traveling. Like last year I was at SMU. Uh, we were set to travel uh, the day after Christmas to go to Boston. Well, we found out on the 26th that uh, Virginia was not going to play in the bowl game because of COVID. So that completely canceled the bowl. Uh, I was in a car that day. I packed up everything in Dallas and drove to Tampa. Wow. So, you know, really missed Christmas last year. So it's uh, it's very difficult for coaches, very difficult for families, all that. A lot of times you like to incorporate that into the bowl game. And if you have an understanding family and understanding wife, then it works. If you don't, then it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. For the kids, when you guys are in bowl season this time of the year, do you give the kids a couple of days off before Christmas? Let's say you have a bowl game in New Year's. Obviously, most teams probably meet a day or two after Christmas to, to get back prep, prepping for the New Year's bowl game. Do you give them a couple of days off? And is it their responsibility to get to the bowl game? Do they get a per diem? Or do you guys all meet back in your central campus and travel together? I always have everybody traveling together because I was concerned about something happening. Right. Uh, either, uh, you know, you just don't know. When you have everybody traveling on their own, uh, are they going to get there on time? Are they going to be there? Is something going to happen? Is right. uh, you, you worry about a lot of different things. So I always went on the side of safety. Now, the problem with that is in recruiting other coaches, will use that against you because other coaches in bowl games, they'll let their own, they'll, they'll let everybody travel to the site and meet there because they can make a lot more money because they can get their own flights. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, it just, um, the you know, it's, all it's a balancing act. Deal. Yeah. It's so, a balancing act. Yep. Yeah. It just depends on if you want to give more money to the players and more autonomy as far as getting there or not. <laughs> I don't know what most coaches do now. I would imagine a lot of them, uh, maybe it's split, you know, depending on the bowl game and where it's at. All right. Let's talk about recruiting. You mentioned recruiting. Obviously the first, the signing day was a couple uh, a week or so back. Um, interesting. A couple weeks back. Interesting now the NCAA is in the last several years they've created two signing days, an early signing day in December and then the traditional one in February. How did that – how did you like – do you like that concept now of having two different days or were you would you prefer to all be done one day? That way you can spend all your time and then you can move on to the next thing as being a coach. Well, I'm, I'm kind of old school. So, you know, I always like the one signing date and that's it. However – and the one nice thing about the early signing days, you get a lot of things out of the way. A lot of these players, are, they know where they're going to go. You know, you, you don't want to waste any more time on the phone, traveling, going to see kids if they're if you're not going to get them. Right. And sometimes these players can kind of keep you, you know, on the hook a little bit and cause you to spend a lot of time with those guys that are the number one or two or three people on your board. And you're losing ground with number four or five or six on your board. You know, so the one thing it does, it cleans up your board. It allows people to make decisions where they're going to go. And it has, has the, now you have the ability to kind of regroup a little bit. You know, have you met your needs? Uh, what, what has changed? Who did you get? And, you know, your staff can kind of come back together and 
and really focus in on those five or six guys you have to get. Now those guys are getting really hit because all the schools are in the same position. And so now they're going to, they're going to really go after this, those, those, some of those guys when they wait for that second signing period, get hammered so hard uh, because every, because everything else, all the dust is cleared. Right. And they all going after you hard. So, but it cleans it up. Yeah, there was one. There was a couple. You know, obviously, you hear stories on recruiting every year, but there was one high-profile kid this year that had committed to Notre Dame. Then he could. Then he committed to Oregon. Then he ended up at Oklahoma, all within a twenty-four-hour period on signing day. How frustrating for you as a coach, or exciting for you if you're the recipient of that kid, or if you're the kid that you're the school that loses a kid like that that has told you for three months or two months, hey, I'm coming to your school, I'm coming to play for you, then he changes his mind at the last minute, or you're the beneficiary of it, a kid you've been working hard, and all of a sudden he flips to you. Uh, it, it's it's really stressful. Uh, you know, you've worked on some of these guys for years, not months. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you bring somebody to the table, they've committed to you, you're, you're all set, and then you lose them. That's tough. You know, and emotionally it's tough because you gain, you gain such a relationship. Right. Not only him, but his family, his friends, all his teachers at the school, the principal, everybody. You know, you right. to get a high profile athlete, you've got to, you got to, you got to cover all your bases. time. Yep. You know, the uncle that might be two states away. Right. You know, who is that, who is that person that's really helping that player with the decision? And you got to find out who they are. And make sure you get close to them. So it's hard, really hard. Um, obviously, if you flip somebody to you, it's great. But you know, in the end, uh, you work your tail off. Uh, you try to stay away from the emotion of it all. And you you realize that you're not going to know how good these guys are for a year anyway. year, but sometimes two years. Right. And really, if coaches are honest and these services ask you how your class look this year where every coach in the country is going to say yeah right we got everybody we wanted yeah we're, we're gonna be great and obviously half the schools in the country are not half are or yeah. either way so you don't really know because there's so many variables with these players adversity that hits these guys in college from different angles that they've never experienced before right and you don't know who's going to be able to handle that adversity so it's not all about the athletic talent. It's about the character of a young man, his heart, how he's driven, uh, how well he gravitates and grabs the investment of time. Living, on his, own, living on his own in a dorm with other people and not sure. his family around and all that stuff. Especially your freshman year because your most university is going to make you live on campus. And sometimes those dorms are not very nice or right. they're okay. And you're coming from home or you're, you, you know, who knows what the home life is like, sometimes good or sometimes bad. Uh, you know, usually you get through that freshman year, you got better chance, but now you got the portal. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you don't play, you're gone. So it's there's so many, so many factors that enter into a recruiting class and whether it's going to be a successful one or not. Seems like in the last, probably you, you tell me, you, you know this better than I do that, you know, years ago when I was playing, when you were playing, there was kind of an unwritten rule with coach, when Jim Levitt, the safety committed to somewhere, the coach is kind of hands off. He's going to that school. Nowadays, 
Is there any kind of unwritten rule among you coaches about when a guy formally says, I'm going to South Florida or I'm going to Florida or Texas or Oklahoma, that other coaches kind of hands off of them unless unless the kid opens the door and says, I'm going to reopen my recruitment? Or is that just completely out the window? Completely out the window. You know, I mean, it's it's evil. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, you know, what I usually tell, I usually prep a guy that commits to us and say, now you're going to get hit by a lot of coaches. The most important thing you can do is have your mom or dad, whoever is, you know, running the show, make sure that they're the ones that talk to these other coaches. Right. Tell them they appreciate them. They appreciate the interest. But Johnny has made his decision. He's going to so-and-so and uh, appreciate if you don't call anymore. Okay. Now that's, a, if you can get a parent to do that, which you should be able to, then that goes a long ways. Now, is that going to stop schools? No, because they're going to go work the coach or they're going to work. If the dad's making that comment, they're going to work the mom or the, uncle. Or they're gonna work the aunt. They're going to work somebody else because what do they care? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be relentless in getting this this player so that family's got to be on board together they got to be strong and that player's got to be strong and know what they want or things happen and it happens all the time all right that's great that's a great answer because you like you said it, it goes on you know i'm sure it's even worse now with nil money and all that stuff and the ease, the ease of the transfer portal and things like that so all right let's go to the, some bowl prep a couple bowl prep questions how do you as a coach, when you're, you know, th there's varying levels, you always hear analysts and people on TV talking about the excitement level of a team going into a bowl game, a team that's maybe six and six versus a team that's had an unbelievable year. They're nine and three, 10 and two, when they're the, the emotional level and the motivation level. How did you always handle the motivation level of, of a team that you were coaching? Maybe you didn't have as good a year as you thought, and you, but you're still in a bowl game, or maybe you overachieved, and now you're in a bowl game. How do you handle that motivation level to keep the motivation level up? Uh, it's very difficult now, and very difficult, because most of these bowl games, like I think Baylor played Air Force, and Baylor had a lot of players that didn't even play. Right. You have all these top players, seniors, juniors, that are going out in the draft, and are going to play in a bowl game. So it's really not the team that played that year. <laughs> you have to try to play the guys that are probably the most ambitious or really want to play. Might be younger guys. The the bowl practices are are really really important um, for development of players. Uh, you try to have as much energy as you can in that bowl game because if you don't have the energy, you're not going to have probably have a chance to win. Um, I, I mean, I just it's. Um, it's just so different today. You know, it really is. And everybody seems to focus on the last four teams that are playing and, and maybe some of these other bowl games. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of bowl games this year. Yeah. You, you don't know who's playing. It's just it's just very, very difficult. But play the guys that you feel like want to play, even if it's a younger guy. Try to try to find the, the, the you really have to get your players excited about playing try to drive home the fact that you're playing them for the seniors that are playing the seniors that are going yeah and them you know you've got to find a, a way for cause you've got to develop a cause for that bowl game one way or another that's a really really important thing to do 
So the experience for the kids, some of these kids have maybe either never been to a bowl game and two, they've never, never really traveled much. These bowl games, the cool thing is you get to go to different places, whether it's California, Texas, Florida, wherever. Fenway Park, you talked about Yankee Stadium. How do you balance the we want to work hard and get ready for this bowl game, but also understand it's an experience for the kids to travel, to enjoy a new a new environment, a new all these bowl games have events where they go to a you know have an event a, a couple nights during the prep. How do you allow them to enjoy that experience, but yet keep their mind focused on the on the task at hand? Well, that's difficult too. You know, it depends on the motivation of players, certainly. But my point is this: a lot of bowl games now because of money or travel or whatever they don't do as many things okay i've been to a bunch of bowls through my career way back when you go to a bowl game you went a lot earlier you spent a lot of time there in your first two days you might not even have a curfew for the players you go to the beach like down here they would take kids to the beach clearwater beach bush garden things like that you know but you might let them go to kind of just you know, enjoy that experience. And you tell them if they mess up, you're going to send them home on the next bus, Uh, (laughs) you know, so because you don't want to embarrass your program, you don't want to embarrass the school. And, and uh, you've got to make sure you set a precedent with your players. You know, you just, you better understand, you better, you know, and you're always going to worry about three or four guys. They're going to keep you up all night. You know, (laughs) think about it. That guy going to do the right thing. Right. Uh, Some are going to, you're going to be good. Um, and then you and then you and you tell them ahead of time, you know, the schedule, kind of what's going to go on, how you're going about this and why each day is important and what you're going to try to get done each day. You try to make sure you get all your preparation done before you leave for the bowl site. Okay. Your game plans for your defense coordinator, offense coordinator should be done, established. They should be able to play the game before you even get on a plane to go to the bowl. And then you know, try to wrap things up as you go because you know the distractions are going to be there. So I always, you always watch bowl games too, where it, it, unless it's for the national title or a you know humongous bowl, one of these humongous bowl games, coaches are are always very loosey goosey in their coaching, trick plays, new things. You know, they 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 empty out the playbook, as so to speak. Did you always have that mentality of hey, we're going to be loosey goosey in these bowl games? I'm going to go for it on fourth down more often, things like that as opposed to a little more close to the vest during the regular season? You know, I don't know. You know, as a head coach, I, I went to five bowl games. And, I, you know, I, I we always had to trick plays. I remember when we played against Holtz, at our first bowl win at East Carolina, Papa John's Bowl. Yeah, we had all kinds of trick stuff we were doing with our punt team. And we were beating them pretty good. Uh, and, uh, and I went ahead and did some of the stuff at the end of the game just to kind of – because I was <laughs> – curious how they were going to respond so i kind of did it it was kind of probably probably you know i don't know how ethical it necessarily is i don't know i guess it's okay but i did all kinds of things with that punt team just to line <laughs> up to it oh because we had so many fake punts that we had put in uh you know two or three things and uh you, I, used, that's them all. you used them all that day you used them all uh, yeah, but, you know, you always want to have some things that you, you want to do some things different because you know the team you're going to play is going to have all that time and the GAs, everybody else is going to be looking at every piece of film. Yeah. You know, you have your base core, what you're going to do, but you always want to do some things different. Now let's get to the to the two bowl games that do matter, ultimately, the, the two semifinal games and how the difference in prep might be different than if you're in the 
Outback Bowl or the ReliQuest Bowl or the Military Bowl that's really just an ex I'll say an exhibition game, but it's there's no national championship implications. These two bowl games said that, Jason. Huh? And that's what I think is so sad. Okay. When I grew up coaching, of course, I've been in it 40 years. Yep. They never had the playoffs. Right. Every game was was so significant. Right. I know people will beat me up for this, but I enjoyed that. And then you had to name a national champion off just whatever. Right. And there was always the debate or the controversy, whatever. But I didn't mind it. You know, I never was in that. Well, we were in that position at Kansas State one time. We were, we were finished eighth, so we were close. Um, but, you know, now it's, yeah, all these other bowl games are bowl games. They're, you know, how, how, you know, how much do people pay attention to them? How much do people really watch them? Because everything is on the last four teams. So I think that's that, and I would say this as you know, New Year's Day is kind of the traditional bigger bowl. You know, you got the Rose Bowl, you got the Citrus right. Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl. Those are the games that I think more fans, even though they don't have national championship implications, are still paying attention to. And you know, the pageantry of the Rose Bowl, the pageantry of, of of you know the or uh, the, the Rose Bowl out in California. Those are just historical things where even though you're not playing for a title, you still want to show out well as a program. Correct. Right. You know, you really do. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people are going to watch those games, but, um, you know, things have just changed a little bit. How does your preparation, like you said, now it's the seriousness of the, of the semifinal games, Georgia, Ohio state, Mich- uh, Michigan, TCU coaching wise, you've had a month off one, one, are you worried about your, your players physical conditioning, having that much time off of not playing for, and then you had the holidays mixed in with Christmas. How do you handle the, just the physical part of getting them back physically ready? Well, it's, um, you know, I haven't been in that situation. I have coached in a bowl game on January 7th or January 9th. Okay. But that's the only thing I kind of go by. Okay. And, you know, you do have to give them, you, you have to know when that bowl game is and how many days that you think you'll need to prepare them. And you're right. They, you do want to, you got to make sure you, you get them in back in shape and, you know, get, the weight room is really big. You know, the conditioning is really big. All those things are important. And yet you, when you have a, when you have these games so, so far pushed back, you have to give them some time, the finals and time and with their family and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't prepared for a national championship. I haven't been in that scenario, but the only thing I can go by is when we played in Toronto, Playing against Northern Illinois, Jerry Kills team, we, we we won the game. We won it pretty big. Yeah, and um, that was my last game. I coached in South Florida, and uh, you know we we played well, played really well. So, and so, uh, so let me let me give you something that it may be comparable on the pro level. Pro level, you have a bye week in the playoffs or two weeks between the championship and the Super Bowl. Would that be a time where you would potentially put in a new scheme defensively or a new scheme on special teams that you haven't shown all year? Or you just or is the mentality of let's be really good at what we're really good at? Well, you know the difference uh, with the NFL is you're playing all the way through it. You know, you're not gonna have five weeks off or till you play a game. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was involved three years in a row, three NFC championship games in the Super Bowl. We were playing twenty-four games, twenty-three games. You know, and you just play right through it. Yes, 
um, we did do some things defensively. I know we had some things in there that were different, different pressure package, different things like that, you know, that, that we were, that we had, but you know, you, you've got your personality that got you there after 20 some games, right? Kind of who you are and you don't want to screw yourself up, you know, your own players, even those, those men at the pro level. I mean, you know, we, we, I coached in the Super Bowl against uh, the Ravens and um, came down last play of the game. Yeah. Um, pretty much. Still and, no, still no flag coach. Still no interference called the yeah, end zone. Yeah. That was, they <laughs> called that pass interference, but on Michael Kraft. But there was two games before that came down last play just to go to the right. Super Um And, you know, no, we, we, you know, you, you keep your base stuff and, but you're always going to have some different things, both offensively and defensively. Of course we had, we had Kaepernick, our quarterback. So we ran a little bit more of the option. I know offensively yep. than we had shown before going through the playoffs, especially yep. the year we played in the Super Bowl, And he was so good, you know, at the option game because he could run. Uh, so that I know helped our offense and, and uh, made, made it challenging for defense. Of course, Ravens handled it fairly well although they should have lost game if we would have got that call. <laughs> Coach, I'd love to see you with that big Super Bowl ring on your finger right now. I really would. Yeah, that would have been nice. All right, let's let's get to the, the games, a couple couple matchups in the games I want to get your thoughts on. Let's go to Georgia and Ohio State first. To me, one of the, one of the factors in this game is, one, Kirby Smart's pressure on defense. You're a defensive guy. Kirby's a defensive guy. It'll be interesting to see how they play this Ohio State – High flying offense. Will they blitz them? Will they play coverage? How do you think? You know, what do you think Georgia's kind of philosophy is going to be going up against Ryan Day and that high flying offense? You know, it's interesting because these are the two teams that were the hottest teams throughout most all the year. Ohio State kind of stumbled at the end the last number of games, but these are the two teams that everybody thought was going to be in a national championship game. A lot of people thought that. Yeah, the way it was going through the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I still believe it's going to be whoever can run the ball. Okay. I think it's going to be a big deal. I know they both can throw it too. These teams all can run and throw, but uh, I think the physicality of the line of scrimmage and, the, and be able to run the ball is going to be a big deal. Ohio State, I think, will maybe will throw it a little bit better, and and they might. Uh, you know, it's going to be a heck of a game. I'm telling you. I, I don't know – I think Ohio State's got to get back to what they were at the beginning of the year when they were really humming along, yep. and whatever that is. And they've got to kind of analyze what happened to them towards the last three weeks or so. And then get that back, you know, that this could be one heck of a game because uh, if they can play like they were early in the season, this game will be a heck of a game. But if not, Georgia's going to get them, you know. The, to, to me, the matchup to look for, I think, for, for Georgia's offense and Ohio State's defense is – how does Ohio State match up with Georgia's tight ends? They've got a tremendous set of tight ends that can run, that can catch, that are going to be effective in the run game for them, for Georgia in the run game. How is Ohio State going to deal with the, that physicality and the talent at tight end? Because you don't see a lot of college teams that have good tight ends. You know, it's, it's coming around a lot more the last three or four years, though. I see it a lot more. Okay. Iowa State used a bunch. Um, I know a number of, a number of teams – start using those tight ends quite a bit more because it's hard. It's hard for defense, you know, just because the ability to run or throw uh, and, 
you just you have you, there's a lot of things you can do with those athletic big tight ends. Yep. Oh, flexing them out, put them into the core, uh, all the wings and the uh, three tight ends, two tight ends. There's a lot of things you can do with it. And I and I know defensively when I go against a team that use those tight ends a lot, like University of Washington did, right? When I was at uh, uh, Colorado, um, really tough to defend, really tough, you know. And um, uh, so I agree with you. That's going to be a challenge for Ohio State. All right, let's get to let's get to Michigan and TCU. I know you know the Michigan program well with your 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 ties to Coach Harbaugh. Do you think this is going to be a game for Michigan where they just really try to pound the ball down TCU's throat and see can you stop us? Yeah, I do. I I, I think if Michigan can't run the ball, TCU will probably win. Uh, TCU is so explosive with their receivers and the deep ball, uh, but they'll run it too. They'll spread you out, and you know when you when you when they're gonna they're gonna throw their shots. Now, you're going to get six to eight shots uh, by TCU, and Michigan's going to have to hold up with that, with the explosive plays. But I think it's going to come down again to Michigan be able to run the ball. If they can run the ball and have success with that, and they'll do some play action there a little bit with a quarterback. And uh, But they can run the ball, I think they'll win. But, boy, somehow uh, – and, and the thing is, TCU runs that 3-3 defense, which can be very tough on an offense that spreads it out and, you know, because you don't know where that safety is going to fit in a run game. But West Virginia used to run that 3-3 defense. We beat West Virginia three out of four. We should have been four out of four. Right. And the way we did it offensively, if we got into the I formation, we really ran right at it. Because by the time that safety came down, we felt like we could get four or five yards. Right. And just moving the chains. And uh, I think the way you go against the defense from TCU is you got to be able to run the ball. You know, you know, and that's what will be interesting to watch the def- I think the defense for TCU against run game, Michigan's going to be going to be it right there. It's going to be interesting to watch that. I agree. I agree. Well, Coach, great analysis. Glad you had a uh, great Christmas with the girls. And I know you'll be, you'll be watching as these NFL at the NFL teams get get to get to the uh, to the finish line here for the playoffs, bowl games. You got the national championship games on or the playoff semifinal games on Saturday. Any big New Year's Eve plans? Are you are you a stay at home fireworks watch the fireworks kind of guy on New Year's when you had a chance to do that? No, I can I can I can do it all. <laughs> I can go out and I can celebrate with the best of them, or <laughs> or I can sit home. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I know you probably, got a great. You'll have a great view from where you're at to see some fireworks in downtown. They do a good job uh, down by where you're at and all that. So, Coach, appreciate the time. We'll definitely we'll – tr- we may try to get you on next week previewing the championship game and all that stuff if you'll do that. And uh, if not, we will uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, Coach? All right. Thanks, Jason. Have a great week. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. 
This podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza and Hank's Barbecue. For all of your restaurant needs anywhere in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa, definitely reach out Beefo Brady's Home Slice Pizza on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue and Hank's Barbecue just north on Dale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue on the left. For all of your catering needs, whether it's barbecue, whether it's sports bar food, whether it's pizza, anything you need as the holidays approach, reach out to Beef O'Brady's, Home Slice Pizza, or Hank's Barbecue. Games you want to watch Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday night, college football, NFL, NBA is starting, NHL is starting, college basketball right around the corner. Check out all the TVs, all the great setups, all you need for sports viewing at Beef O'Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us. Our New Year's edition, our leadoff hitter this week is J.P. Peterson, host of the J.P. Peterson Show, part of FanStream Sports. Does a great job. Weekdays here in the Tampa Bay area, 10 to 12. Uh, check out, uh, you can go to the FanStream Sports app, check them out uh, all over the place, Twitter, Facebook. Welcome in, J.P. Hey, Jason, what's up, buddy? Always good to be on with you. Love your show, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Good holiday? Yes, yes. Took some time off last week. Uh, got off the grid, uh, which was nice, man. It, you know, doing what we do, you're just, you're locked in 24-7. You're always on Twitter, and that stuff's always happening, right? So sometimes you just got to take a step away and just just decompress so it was great. But then, you know, Sunday night, I'm catching up on everything and it's just, it gets, gets a little crazy, but uh, yeah, it was a great holiday. Uh, good family time, good friends time. Uh, lots of good stuff. Hope your holiday was good as well. It was great. I want to mention, forgot to mention JP also host hockey night, uh, lightning hockey night live at Amelie Arena, right. all the home games. So he's wearing, he's wearing his lightning hat. If you're watching us on the video, He's just cooking a steak. He's eating a little dinner, cooking a steak. Oh, dude, I just I just made a great. I don't think you can see this, but I just made this great steak. Compared to Burns, better than Burns. Oh, so much better than Burns, bro. So (laughs) much better than Burns. I mean, I love Burns. Don't get me wrong, but I cook it the way I like it. So you know, what's your favorite steakhouse? Uh, you know, Burns. The atmosphere with Burns is fantastic. Um. Uh, meat market's great. That's a great atmosphere as well. Charlie's is good. Um, you know, those are, I know there's a, those are the regulars, but um, yeah, all those places are really, really good. But I do, I do enjoy cooking because I, I cook, you know, I, I cook it the way I want to cook it. You, no matter how you order it in the restaurant, right. It's not going to be just like you want it. Yeah. So I don't, and, and it's going to be like, you know, $75 for a free steak. So you know, I enjoy cooking. It's kind of cathartic for me. So, all right, couple. We're gonna hit, we're gonna hit a couple college football topics, a couple NFL things, yes. and a USF thing. What'd you think of the uh, breaking news? We're recording this Tuesday night. Ed Reed named the head coach at oh. Bethune Cookman. What do you think of that? I think it's great. You know, I think it's great. These guys, you know, these, you know, Dion, um, Ed Reed. These guys are absolute heroes. At, you know, to to these young kids and. They're going to recruit their ass off. Um, and it's all about the Jimmys and Joes. You know, you can get the X's and O's. They can hire good coaches. But Ed Reed, my God, what a what a charismatic, great dude. Yep. You know, and these guys, 
you know, I don't know if people realize, you know, Dion's so flashy, you know, he's prime. But that dude, and you, no slides, no white beaters to class. You, I mean, he, he's, he, I mean, you got to be on time. You got to, you got to work your ass off. They are strict disciplinarians. And I guarantee you, Ed Reed's going to be the same, no bullshit type, type guy. They make men out of these young men. You know, all they, they don't, a lot of these young kids come in and they've got NFL dreams in their head and they got 15 wristbands and all this crap going on. And these coaches are like, no, nah, you want to be a pro football player, get your ass in the weight room and work. Let's go. So I think, I think they're tremendous role models. Um, and I think they're going to do well. And I love, and I love, you know, Dion was only at Jackson State for a couple of years. And I know he got a lot of shit for leaving there after, you know, professing all this, you know, that he was going to be a, a cultural icon and selling Travis Hunter on, you know, doing something that nobody else has done. And then he yeah. leaves, of course, Travis Hunter's going with him, but you know, it, it just, if they can give any, um, any light to these uh, historically black colleges and, yep. and give their time and their expertise, I think it's fantastic. And I think Bethune Cookman's going to kick ass and uh, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. And I think it's the wave of the future, you know, uh, and it's not just, to, just because you played, you know, I think it's got to be a little bit more than that. You know, For it's sure. got to be a guy who's iconic that's going to be able to kind of do this. So I don't think there's going to every former NFL player, you know, going because we've seen a lot of that. But it's these iconic guys that are now taking their time and their talents. Yep. I mean, they could, you know, these guys can sign autographs and do TV the rest of their lives and make tons of money. They don't have to do this. But they're doing it um, to, to turn these kids' lives around. And, I, I you know, for – hey, listen – <laughs> everybody knows about me and Dion and USF, right? I mean, I, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to explain it to everybody. I put it out on Twitter there that, they, that, that USF and yeah. Dion had agreed to 90% of their contract and, and it was moving forward said it wasn't done. I right. said it you, wasn't done. Absolutely. You didn't, but, but I put it out there and the bottom line is Dion played me. He played me to get more money out of Colorado yeah. and he did. And he did. And, you know, sometimes in this business you get played, but I was getting, I was getting the information straight from the horse's mouth. I went to school with Dion. I've known Dion for 30 years and, and he knew that I had a reach on Twitter and that if I said it, people would believe it. Yeah. And yep. Colorado would step up with more money and that's exactly what happened. So I kind of take it as a compliment it a is. That, he, that he picked on me. Uh, it hurt my reputation. I get it. It's part of the business. If you're out there trying to break stories, this is going to happen. You know, if you're sitting behind a microphone and never broke a story in your life and you're criticizing me and everybody, you know, get in the arena. Let's see you do something. Let's see you break a story. It happens to Jake Glazer and Adam Schefter all the time. It happens exactly. to them too. Yeah. And so, I'll, and I'll say this, you know, USF, I think they made a mistake. Now, I don't know the inner workings of USF, how much money they have, how much money they can get. Um, I don't know any of that for Michael Kelly. So I can't, I can't, I can't in an educated way know the parameters that he was working with. Maybe they said, look, we're not going over 3 million. Uh, you know, maybe that was the, that was right. what came down from on high and, you know, he could only do what he can do. And they weren't, they couldn't pay the 5 million. Now the Colorado athletic director was asked where he's going to get the money. He's like, I don't know. We don't have the money, but we're going to do it. And, and I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work in Colorado. I think it might be a little rough in the first couple of years, but he'll get talent there and he'll, he'll win. And I think this is what USF should have done. They should have tried to find the money and pay Dion because they would have been immediately relevant. 
Um, you know, that next night on Sunday, on, it was a Monday night football game in Tampa. Right. Deion Sanders would have been on the freaking desk with his USF stuff on in front of the world saying, hey, yeah, come to USF. This is my stadium right here where the Bucs and Tom Brady are playing tonight. And, and you're off and running. Now, I listen, I support Alex Kalesh. I hope, you know, I hope he does great. Um, I support USF and, and that's the man they went with. And, you know, let's go. Let's let's ride. I, I'm, I'm all with it. But I'll just be on record to say it. I think they should have tried done whatever they could to find the money to pay Dion and make themselves relevant. My opinion. No, like I said, again, you, you, you got, and, and you give yourself credit. Dion responded to you. He didn't have to respond to you. He could have, he could have, you know, said F you JP, you know, yeah. don't worry about it. But another guy we both know, Trent Dilfer going to my alma mater UAB. I think, yes. I think that's, I think that would, I think that's going to be a good move. I think Trent's done a good, really good job. He's got so many connections in the NFL. I think he's going to do really good at UAB. Oh, I think he's going to do tremendous. You know, he is, he is much in, he's not obviously as iconic no. as, as Ed Reed or Dion, but his time on ESPN, yeah. I think really made him more iconic. Cause I think, I think Trent Dilfer was one of the greatest anal- football tremendous. analysts there are. I think he's tremendous. a tremendous mind. And, you know, I've known Trent since he would played here at Florida at, uh, at, with the Buccaneers. Yeah. Mid nineties. Yeah, and, and I wasn't working in this market at that particular time, but, you know, Casey Weldon is a very good friend of mine. Yep. And I played golf with Trent and Casey a few times, so I got to know Trent a little bit. And then I covered him when I, when I got here. And Trent was, I mean, he was very, very immature, very immature when he was young and, of course, had some tragedy happen to him. Sure. And I think he's grown into an incredible role model, an incredible man. And I think he, the same thing. I think he's going to teach these young kids a lot of great stuff, and I think he's going to win. And I think he's going to be an extra, a very successful uh, major college coach. And, you know, once he'll be at UAB for two, three years, and then he'll move on to the SEC or the ACC. And I think yep. he's going to be tremendously successful. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, let's get to the uh, college football playoff. Couple, we got the semifinals coming up on Saturday. TCU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. Most people think oh, it's going to be Georgia, Michigan in the final in the fi- in the yeah. championship game. Right. Which of the which of TCU and Ohio State has the best chance to pull an upset in your opinion? I'd have to go with. Uh, I mean, I don't think either one of them really, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll nobody's beating Georgia. I don't see anybody beating Georgia. To be honest with you, so I think TCU has a puncher's chance. Uh, I think Max Max Dugan, Max Duggan, whatever you want to call him, I think he's got a lion's heart and a championship heart. And that it's almost impossible to kill that kid. He is so freaking tough, so good. Yeah. I just love the way he plays. Um, so I think, he, you know, I think they got a puncher's chance against Michigan. Michigan is, but they're just so good up front and so good in the run game. Physical. And they're just going to bully Yeah, they're so physical. And and I love the way, you know, Harbaugh's, a, he's a nutball. He's a complete <laughs> nutball. But, man. He 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 coach he can coach him up. He can coach him up and he, he coaches physical run football, which is which is rare in college football, right? I think that's why Michigan is so good. Right. Teams are not prepared for their size and their physicality in the run game. Because all, all most of these defenses now are are what? They're built to stop the spread because that's what 90% of college football is. So here comes Michigan with an eye back and you know, lead backs and you know, double tight ends and, and they're big and they're physical and tough running backs. I mean. So I, I just don't think TCU can can stand up to that kind of physicality. Um, and, you know, Georgia's just so freaking good. I mean, they are – they you know, they lose one five-star. 
Uh, and they, look at the talent they lost in the draft. Yeah. I mean, un, unprecedented. The greatest draft in history, right, for a college team. And they're right back here where they were. It's five, was it four or five straight years Kirby Smart had the number one, two or three draft uh, high school recruiting class. Right. And he and the thing that he does and that Saban does as well, he develops that talent. Yes. He has the culture there. He um, started playing late. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous how, how good they are. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And again, I think I think Ohio State. The, the, I'm having a little Wi-Fi issue here. Yeah, you're you're okay. I can, I can hear you. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Georgia is definitely the team to be. I think they're the, the use of their tight okay. ends. They have such quality tight ends that most teams don't have in that league. And I think they're going to blood Ohio state with the tight ends, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. So can you hear me? Ohio state is soft. You know, this is not like um, some of the teams that they've had in the past. These guys, you know, I've heard it from a lot of people that are, you know, very inside the, they get all the, uh, you know, the booster updates and stuff. And, and, and they just tell me about it. It's like CJ Stroud is just a prima donna, really good player, but he's a prima donna when, you know, when, when he gets hit in the mouth, uh, how's he going to respond? Ryan Day kind of runs a soft. I think Georgia will embarrass him. All right, let's go to let's go to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers seven and eight, struggling mightily to score points. They figure out a way to win in Arizona Christmas night. You know, you you lots of lots of critical comments all around the, the Bay Area and around the country about the play calling, the coaching. I know you've been uh, you 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 have had some questions about the coaching as well. Is there a chance if the Bucs don't make the playoffs that Todd Bowles is gone as the head coach? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I love Todd as a, as a human being, as a dad, um, as a defense coordinator. Guy is fantastic. I mean, he, he won the Super Bowl. Um, it, you hold Patrick Mahomes to no touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Right. You know, and that's, you know, two months after he torched you. I mean, Todd Bowles is a tremendous defensive coordinator. He's not a good head coach. He's just not. You know, uh, and I think doing both kind of hampers him a little bit. Right. Um, he just doesn't manage games well. He doesn't have the um, – I just – he's just not aggressive enough for the modern-day NFL in terms of when to go for it, when not to go for it, uh, when to challenge, when not to challenge. I think, you know, the offense is just – you, you can't go from 30 points a game to 17 points a game. I understand that, that you've got um, – it's different personnel. I understand that. But you got to find a way. And if Byron Leftwich is not getting it done, you got to make a move. You got to do something. And he just refuses to do something. He won't publicly criticize his players. I mean, he says he privately does it. But where's the proof of that? I mean, there's no accountability. His team making constantly making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Their 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 offensive game plans are the same every single week. Everybody knows what's coming. I mean, we we had those mic'd up Ravens players. 
you know, just laughing on the sideline going, it's the same plays. It's the same tendencies. We know everything has happened. I mean, and they're still doing it. It's like, they haven't changed a thing. It's, and I understand they're limited. You know, th- and this is where the Brady thing comes in. You know, with Brady, there's no bootleg game. There's no RPO game, really, to speak of. No right. no uh, zone read game. Obviously, he doesn't run. I mean, you can't even move the pocket with him. Right. So you're limited to what you can really do. So for <clears throat> Brady to work, you got to have an excellent offensive line. The interior of the offensive line has to be able to allow him to step into throws for him to be accurate. It's hard for him to throw off platform like these other guys, but they've done it. They did it. They won a Super Bowl. They won 13 games last year. But, you know, when Jason Light didn't address the center position right from the beginning, I, I said it then and I say it now, it was the biggest mistake of this season. He needed to go out and get somebody. Uh, I don't care how or who or what, but go get somebody who's played center in this league. And there were players available. There were, there were players available. And he thought that he could do, he could go with Luke Gedeke and, and Hainsey. And Hainsey's played, he hasn't played poorly, but the entire offensive line is not, it's not, their numbers look good because, you know, Brady gets rid of the ball in 2.1 yeah, right. seconds. Right. I mean, I can, I can have a 90% blocking grade if he's getting rid of the ball in 2.1 seconds. All I yeah. got to do is stand in the guy's way, right? Right. And 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 I'm not diminishing these offensive players, but they're just not what they're what they've had the last two years. They're just not, and and they didn't do anything to address it. So that's on Jason Light. Byron Leftwich is a terrible offensive coordinator. There's something wrong with Brady in terms of his arm. He's not as accurate and, and not as good as he was the last two years. Right. He's missing throws. He never ever ever misses. I mean, look at that throw to Julio right. in the beginning of the game. I mean, right. my God, he was uncovered. Nobody, I mean, and, you, and he just sailed it over his head by five yards. I mean, that's on. That's just that's not Brady. And and some of those deep passes, the deep pass to Scotty Miller. I mean, my God, what? The, and, and to my the two picks. I mean, it's just not not. That's just not Tom Brady. He, he doesn't trust the routes at times. That's why he was late throwing to Evans. He wanted. He had to wait till he made his break because Evans, you know, route running this year has not been great. He's regressed a little bit, in my yep. opinion. Um, and you know, obviously not having Gronk. And, and by the way, if Gronk calls you up and says he's thinking about playing, like make it happen, him. make it happen, kidnap him. I don't care what. I don't care if he's literally send armed guards to his house. Yes, and pick him up and bring him in the facility and make him sign. has been dysfunctional from the very I think the Panthers are going to bully them. I don't see how they stop the run. They're just not, they're not physical enough at the point of attack. So, and, pe- and people don't realize if the Bucks lose this game, the, the, they lose control of the division. I mean, Carolina wins yeah. out, they win the division. Yeah, Carolina's going to play the Saints. Yes, week 18. Week 18. You think the Saints have any 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 feeling for the Bucs that they want to let, beat, beat Carolina and let the Bucs get in the playoffs? Right. Hell right. no. Right. Hell no. What do you think? And if the Saints – Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, what, what is the future of Brady? Is it, what, is your, what is your percentile of him returning to the Bucs? Zero. Zero. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
even I, if the I Bucks, think... even if the Bucks make wholesale changes with the staff and obviously the offensive personnel. Yeah, I think he wants to play in Miami. He wanted to play in Miami last year. And look at Miami. Where would you, if you're Tom Brady and you had a choice, where would you play? I mean, right, Tyreek right. Hill, Jason Waddle, Gasecki, good running backs, pretty a decent offensive line, decent defense. Um, you know, defense. You know, it, it, it's good enough. Right. And it's Miami where your kids are. Right. You know, I, I, I Stephen Ross, that whole nine. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to go to Miami. If he's going to play, I think he'll play in Miami. Because I'm with you. I don't think he's going to go out west because his son lives in New York and his kids live in Miami. I don't think he's going out west. All the San Francisco speculation in, in Vegas. Plus, he's got to beat out Brock Purdy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's balling, bro? He is. just beat his ass. So. He is. There's no <laughs> doubt. I mean, I, that, that will be absolutely. All right, give yeah. me a couple of – who do you think – so? Give me a thread in the AFC and the NFC that are not one of the top three or four seeds, one of the wild card teams. Who do you who do you like as a as a threat, AFC or NFC? We had Sal Powell on my show today, and he's had his top six were uh, I want to get this right: uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Bengals in the AFC, um, and then in the NFC, uh, Eagles, San Francisco, and Dallas. So those are he's so those are his six teams. I hope I'm getting that right who might win the Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm in a complete agreement. I don't see anybody outside of that six. Okay. Stepping on. I, don't, I don't trust Minnesota. They've won 11 one-score games. Their yep. point differential, I think, is plus five. Yeah. And they're 12 right. and three, which is crazy. Right. Um, the Cowboys, even the Cowboys, I don't trust the Cowboys in the postseason, but I think they're talented enough to, to win, win the Super Bowl. Um, the yeah, Chargers, I mean, the Chargers with Herbert. You know, the Chargers, you would think, um, they're talented and they're getting healthy. They're getting Bosa back. Yep. You see that hit by Derwin James? Jeez. Oh, my God. Right. That was like – I was like, man, they're going to – I think he might get suspended for, for a few games. That I mean, would be a nice was, donation to charity. Wow. That was that was like, okay, we don't do that anymore, Derwin. <laughs> That's right. not the way we do it anymore. Right. Like, wow, I, I really I like that. You, you know, I'm glad that dude got up because he might have been criminally charged for that thing. But, um, yeah, the Chargers, you know, maybe Herbert, man, since the, I first saw him when he played against the Bucks a couple of years ago. Yeah. In, in the, and I saw him roll out to his left and from about the 20 yard line, his own 20. Through that post route, the yeah, 65 yard post route. He almost threw it to the freaking end zone. I think it went from the 20 to the five. Yeah. I'm like, and it didn't go like, woo, it went bullet. I mean, that, I've never seen a guy with an arm like that. And I think he's still learning the game, you know, a little bit, but they're, man, they're loaded at receiver. Their defense is coming out. Yeah. I mean, if there was one outside shot team, it would be the chargers. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. All right, JP. Appreciate the time, man. Awesome. Great job. Tell me where they can find all your great work online, fan stream sports and all that good stuff. Yeah, just Google the J.P. Peterson Show. Uh, it'll take you to all our links. Um, you can download our app, FanStream Sports, all one word, and you can listen to the show anytime. We don't keep your information or anything. Just tap that app, and you can listen to the show anytime, morning, noon, uh, afternoon. It'll just recycle. Uh, you can also watch us on Twitter, watch us on uh, YouTube. Just go to the J.P. Peterson Show. And we're also on Facebook as well. And we have a website, FanStreamSports.com, and you can get everything there as well. Every morning, 10 to 12, we're live, and then you can get the podcast on Apple and Spotify as well.
He's got guests from all over the country, all every all yeah. during the week. All, Sal Powder, TJ Reeves, to, you name it, whatever's going on. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. Give the give the fans an update on the stadium situation with the Rays. I know there's a lot of misinformation out there. What people think might happen. Give me your best guess of where we're at today. All right. So the, the St. Petersburg thing is is anything but a done deal. Okay. Everybody thinks it's a done deal because there were artist renderings and, and the Rays put in their their um, their plan. Um, that still has to be approved. It's Major League Baseball. I know Major League Baseball does not want them in St. Petersburg. Um, and I still think it's going to end up in Hillsborough County. I like the new um, Daryl Shaw prospect, uh, new, new site right there by the aquarium. Um, the marina, if you saw the, re- the rendering, it's a modern stadium. They're going to put all types of uh, restaurants and bars and condos around it. So there's going to be a developer involved in it i think you know and, and i know hillsborough county doesn't have as much money but they have enough money they have 300 to 400 million they can put in and then you know get the raise to put in 300 400 million get the developer to put in 300 400 million the united states it's being done in miami it got done in texas it got done in atlanta right. it's not hard to do folks you just have to have an owner that's willing to do it and right now major league baseball is pushing Stu to get this thing done they do not want it in St. Petersburg. That's why Manfred said it needs to be properly located. He said it needs to be properly located, which means not St. Petersburg. So, and we love St. Pete. It's just not the place for the baseball stadium. All right, folks, if you're in the Amelie Arena, catch JP. He'll be he'll be your intermission entertainment, pregame, postgame. You'll see all JP on the score on the on the uh Jumbotron. He does great work with the lightning. He does great work with his radio show every week, every day. So appreciate the time, JP, and have a happy new year. Love your show, Jason. Appreciate you having me on. Anytime, buddy. Maybe I'll see you at the out. Maybe see you at the Relia Quest on, on yes. Monday. Yes. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.